Hello everyone, welcome to my podcast, Island Nile. I'm your host Sarah and I hope you enjoy. Hello everyone, um, welcome back again. This is part two of A Woman A Week, Jeffrey Evans and John Shaw. Um, if you missed last week's or a few days ago, I'm not sure when I will be posting these because I haven't done so yet. But if you missed the last episode, um, maybe go back and listen to it. Otherwise, you are going to be very lost. Um, for a refresher for everyone who did listen to the last episode, um, John Shaw and Jeffrey Evans were the state's first serial killers um, last week. Last episode, we discussed the abduction and murder of Elizabeth Plunkett um, and how the men came to be in Ireland, considering they're English. And today's episode is going to focus in on the abduction and murder of Mary Duffy, their other victim. And the arrests of the two men and what happened to them and where they are today. So um, buckle up, get comfy, and we'll crack on into today's case. Before we get into today's episode, um, I just wanna leave a trigger warning again, similar to the last episode, as this is a part two to the last episode, but um, this episode will contain topics of rape and sexual assault and murder obviously um but if that's not something that you're able to listen to right now click out come back whenever i post my next episode just take care of yourself don't don't listen to anything that might upset you too much because obviously these episodes will be upsetting um but just don't do anything that might upset you even further i suppose and with that we'll just get into get into the case So this is part two where we're going to focus on the abduction of Mary Duffy and the arrests of the two men. Um, So Mary was a slight young woman with short dark hair. She was one of seven siblings. She was living at home on the family farm at the time of her abduction, which was about five miles from Castlebarra town. She had two jobs, so as you can imagine, she'd have a great work ethic. She worked in a shop as a shop assistant four days a week, and then she worked as a cook in a coffee shop for four evenings a week and could end up going to town with them, going out on the lash. You know yourselves. On the night of September 22nd, Mary finished her shift at around 11pm. Her colleagues said that she was in a good mood that evening, 22nd. Mary had been having a good shift, she was in a good mood, and she finished at around 11pm. That day she was wearing a red polo, jeans, a red duffel coat and boots. She also had a brown handbag, which contained a red purse, and she had white rosary beads in there and a few bits in a cosmetic bag. I think it might have been a clear bag, it just... It just said a plastic cosmetic bag, so I'm assuming it was a clear bag, I'm not sure. Some of the contents of this cosmetic bag were stuff that she shared with her sisters. So, you know, your basics like mascara and eyeshadow, all things makeup related. 
She was also wearing two gold rings. One had her initials on it and one contained her birthstone. She had no money on her this evening, so she borrowed some coins from a work colleague so that she could go to a payphone and phone her brother, who at the time was working. She called her brother Michael at about 10 past 11, but he was actually out trying to start up a customer's care, so he wasn't the one to answer the phone. But she left a message with his employer that she'd begin to walk to the briefy road junction where she would then wait for him to collect her to bring her home the rest of the way. Unfortunately, Sean Evans were sat in their car watching Mary make this call to her brother, and then they watched her leave and start walking away alone. Shaw then got out of the car and Evans parked it further up the street like they had done with Elizabeth Plunkett. This area in the town that they were in actually had houses on either side of the street so as you can imagine there would be loads of witnesses left behind if there was any loud noises, screams and that is essentially exactly what happened. Shaw followed her down the street and as she walked past the, the car that Evans had parked up ahead, Shaw attacked her. He then punched her so hard in the face that a dental implant that she had in her mouth actually dislodged and fell out onto the road, which Mary's dentist would later identify as the dental implant that he had put in her mouth. Uh, Shaw. Shaw then forced her into the back of the car while she was screaming for her life, essentially. And numerous witnesses, the neighbours in the area, heard all of this commotion. One woman had explained that she got out of bed after hearing all the screaming and she said that the screams were quote short and hysterical end quote. She also said that she um she believed that she heard a man screaming quote come on end quote and we would later find out that this was Evans screaming at Shaw and Mary to get into the car and hurry the fuck up essentially. Another neighbour claimed that they had heard a woman screaming and they said that it was quote like she was hurt or someone had hit her end quote. And at this point numerous neighbours, so many of them around this street had heard everything that was going on and had come to their windows or their front doors to try and find out what was going on because they were alarmed by all the screaming and the commotion going on. One of the witnesses claimed that they saw a Cortina car with a roof rack, a shitty paint job. <laughs> well, that's not the word they use, but that's the word I'm using. Um, and had a broken tail light and it revved, reversed and drove away towards Galway Road, leaving the street in complete silence. As Michael Duffy was making his way to collect his sister from Briefy Road Junction, where he believed that she would be standing waiting for him, he actually ended up passing the car which abducted his sister. Shaw then later in his statement admitted that, quote, somewhere along the road, I started to drive and Jeff got into the back of the car with her. She didn't scream, but said, the men then continued to swap between driving and going back and raping Mary repeatedly. And a forensic scientist would later confirm that in the back of the car they found the two men's and Mary's pubic hairs and seminal fluid from both men. They continued to drive for the rest of the night until they hit the place where they had planned to take their next victim previously, which was West Connemara. 
It was here where they dragged Mary out of the car, stripped her down, and continued to repeatedly rape her. Later, they gave Mary back her coat and then tied her to a tree. And next to this tree, they set up their tents for the night. Meanwhile, um, Mary's family had actually just assumed that she spent the night in town at a friend's house because, like I said, she did that sometimes and they believed that she was going to go straight to work the following day. So that's why they did not report her missing initially. Um, But then back at the campsite the following morning, Evans got up before dawn and went back to Berna to get food. He got a rope, he got Valium tablets and he also got one of the cement blocks which holds up the caravans and the caravan sites if you remember me mentioning that earlier and then while Evans was gone back to Berna Shaw had untied Mary from the tree and continued to rape her. Soon after that then they both sat down on a logs in the woods. I believe they were facing each other because otherwise this next sentence won't make much sense if they weren't but uh, two fishermen actually came into Shaw's line of view Um, I'm assuming they were on the river or something, I'm not completely sure, but Mary's back was actually to them, so she didn't see them, so she couldn't call out for help, she couldn't make anyone aware of what was going on, and to any random person, I suppose if you see two people at a log just sitting there together, you're not really going to think much of it. You might think a little bit of it if she was naked, which she was. But maybe they just thought that they were these young people gone off into the woods for it's oh it's awful that there was people right there and she didn't see them and she couldn't scream for help because if she did i might not be sat here telling you the awful things that happened to her awful things happened to her prior to this as well obviously but maybe she wouldn't have been murdered if she had gotten help. Later that evening, Evans returned to the campsite where he found Shaw and Mary in the tent that they had set up. Mary was naked, she had two black eyes, she was missing teeth, she had numerous wounds and scratches all over, one of which was a big bleeding gash uh, over her left temple and the state pathologist John Harbison, I think is how his name is pronounced, uh, held down. Evans then gave Mary a cheese sandwich and a bottle of water, but she didn't eat any of it. And then while this was happening, Shaw took the care to the pub and went for a few drinks while Evans stayed and went on to rape Mary continuously once again. When Shaw returned, the men discussed what they were going to do with Mary and they decided that she was going to meet an awful faith of being murdered. They gave her five Valium tablets and told her that they were going to bring her back home. But once she had started to snooze and doze off, Evans went back to the car to wait for Shaw while Shaw smothered her with a red cushion that had previously been in the car. Later on in one of his statements, Evans actually said that he could see the flashlight was on in the tent and that there was still activities um, going on inside there, which he actually believed was Shaw having sex with Mary's dead body. Once he had noticed the flashlight inside the tent, he got up and went into Shaw, where he saw Mary's dead body lying. 
Shaw turned to him and said, quote, we will have to do the same as we did in Wicklow, end quote. This meant concealing the body in water. The two men went to pick up her body and put her into the car and drove her to Lochina, which was further east where there was eight boats that were tied up. Here's where they removed Mary's rings and the coat that they had previously given back to her, leaving her once again completely naked and exposed. They placed her in the boat and rowed her out like they did with Elizabeth. On the morning of Friday, September 24th, the caretaker of Lochina Boathouse had actually discovered that a pane of glass had been smashed on the boathouse. He thought everything was intact at the time, but when he went back six days later, he noticed that there was a grappling hook and a sledgehammer missing. And he also noticed a rock on the floor outside of the boathouse, which I'm assuming was used to break in the window. We later find out that Evans had actually smashed the window in and taken these items, along with a pair of oars, which they used to row the bows out to dispose of Mary's body. The men had tied the sledgehammer and the grappling hook to Mary's body. They put the sledgehammer around her waist, tied the concrete block that Evans had got when he went back to Barina to her feet, and then tied the grappling hook onto her body, which they actually later on described incorrectly as an anchor, but it was not an anchor, it was it was a grappling hook. And with all these things attached to Mary's body, they threw her into the water in Lakina to weigh her down so that she would not resurface too quickly. The two men then returned back to the shore, put the oars back into the shed, and then threw Mary's two rings into the woods, I think. Was it a woods they were near? No, they threw it into the undergrowth, which the guards would later find using metal detectors. They got rid of the sleeping bags and the clothes by throwing them over the weir bridge near Clifton. And then they proceeded to go and burn her handbag and all of its contents to dispose of those also. On to the arrests. Eventually, both women had been reported missing and the guards had clocked it right away that these two cases were linked. They didn't know how, but they knew they were linked. And they also knew that they were looking for two British men traveling together, one with dark hair, one with fair hair, and they had sent out regular reports to the media and the media was reporting on the two missing women and the two English men. A witness then came forward about the evening before Mary had gone missing saying that they had seen these two men in their poorly painted black cortina. So when being brought to Mountjoy Prison in Dublin, Shaw was handcuffed by Detective Gary O'Carroll and he leaned over to him and said that it was a good thing that himself and Evans got caught because they were going to be, quote, doing one a week, end quote. When they appeared in court in early October in Castlebar that same year, uh, the Garda Superintendent, Thomas Nagel, said that when the two men were getting charged with these murders that Shaw said quote I am sorry end quote and Evan said quote I have nothing to say end quote. Rex Mackey for the defence 
had raised an issue of a fair trial. And this is because they had been covered in the media and more specifically The Late Late Show, RTE's The Late Late Show, which is very popular. And the reason that Mackie believed that this was an issue was because he said that there was no doubt that any jury member that they might get will already be aware of the case due to its coverage in the media. And especially because The Late Late Show was a very popular show and actually still is, especially around Christmas time when they have The Late Late Toy Show. Anyways, that's besides the point. And both courts agreed that there was a quote of flagrant contempt of administrative justice, end quote. Mackie said that because of all of this, it, quote, caused a feeling of revulsion throughout the whole country, end quote. He thought that one of the staples of justice was, quote, a golden thread of innocence which could not be broken unless the accused was found guilty, end quote. And he believed that the prosecution was completely relying on circumstantial evidence and no hard. Um, In their argument, the prosecution actually said that it would require two people to dispose of a body at the lake. And Shaw's defence counsel found this a bit amusing. I suppose they said, quote, have you ever heard such nonsense? End quote. On the 4th of August, the jury were out for five hours and were actually unable to come to a verdict. And I'd like to point out that this is a jury of 12 men. I'm not sure if I said that in the last episode or not. I can't remember. But every single jury member was a man. So take of that what you will. But Judge McWilliams excused all these 12 jury members from jury duty for the next 15 years. Once this was over, they couldn't come to a verdict, so they actually had to go back to trial then. And these 12 jurors, it was just like, no, you don't have to become a juror again for the next 15 years. Good luck, God bless. Then during the 1978 trial, Shaw pleaded not guilty. The court heard the statement um, that Shaw had made to the Gardaí, which describes the gut-wrenching, heartbreaking details of the last 24 hours of Mary Duffy's life. Detective Gerda Connolly said that the 28th of September 1976 that Shaw agreed to give a statement which then went on to last three hours at about 4am after being cautioned about his rights and that he didn't have to, but he did. He then went on to say he did not want to do this and that Evans actually made him do it. Detective O'Carroll told the court that he thought Shaw had actually shown signs of remorse and Shaw later went on to say, quote, God help me, the devil made me do it. Keep him away from me, end quote. Which, I mean, I don't believe that one bit because if you remember back in the first episode for the death of Elizabeth, Shaw did that murder completely on his own. Evans was not there. He was not near the place. He was in a completely different vicinity. I know Evans was technically present for Mary Duffy's one, but he was in the care. He also did not commit that murder. But for Elizabeth's one, I don't think Evans was even aware that Shaw was going to kill Elizabeth until he came back and saw her dead body there. Um, When it came to Shaw being transferred from the station to the courts, Inspector John Daly of Galway uh, told the courts that Shaw actually said that he did not want his photo taken by the press. So they placed a blanket over his head 
to escort him from the station. Which, I mean, I know you have to respect their rights, because they still have rights as citizens, and they weren't found guilty yet, so innocent until proven guilty and all that, but he didn't want his picture taken. Aw, bless him, the poor creator, he murdered two people and didn't want his picture taken for it. Anyways, when they were transferring Shaw, I actually, hold on, I don't know if they, when they were escorting him from the, from the station, I don't know if that was to the prison or to the court. It's one of the two. But when they were on this trip to wherever they were bringing him to, the guards in the car or the van, whichever they transported him in, had informed Shaw that he was not obligated to tell them where Mary's belongings were or where her body was. Because remember, at this point, at this point, had they found her? I don't think they had. At this point, they hadn't. I think. Fuck. My research for this is a tiny bit all over the place. Yes, at this point, this was, my timeline is all over the place. Jesus Christ. Um, this was before they found Mary Duffy's body, I believe. But they had told him that he was not obligated to tell them where any of her stuff was, where she was, any of that. But when they were actually passing Lochina in the care, he said, quote, this is the place, end quote. On February 9th. 1978 Shaw was sentenced to life in prison for the murders for the murders of Mary Duffy and Elizabeth Plunkett. He also received 14 years for rape and two years for false imprisonment. The Irish Independent went on to report about the moment where the verdict was read and said that quote he leaned forward in the dock dressed in a three-piece navy suit and wearing a grown-out crew cut and grinned, end quote, just as Costello handed him his life sentence for murder. And I'm sure that moment was amazing for the victim's families to just see that sick grin be wiped off his face in a matter of seconds. Shaw's counsel, Mackie, asked for liberty to appeal on the grounds that the statements that Shaw had made was involuntary, but Justice Costello refused this appeal, stating that, quote, the accused has been found guilty by a jury. On December 8th, 1978, Evans was found guilty. Both men later down the line would attempt to appeal this decision numerous times, but would fail every single time. They would appeal this on the grounds that their constitutional rights had been violated because they had been held by the Gardaí for over 48 hours. And then in 1979, Shaw had his appeal turned down again. He had appealed on the grounds that the trial judge, Costello Justice, erred in law in admitting certain evidence. The Supreme Court then turned down another one of his appeals in 1980. And in 2003, there were reports that Shaw might actually be released from prison. Mary's, Mary Duffy's family um, raised Mary Duffy's family raised concerns for this, obviously, because this is the man who murdered their daughter, sister, cousin, whatever relation they were. This man murdered her brutally sexually assaulted her, raped her, beat her, murdered her. So they said that they were going to keep fighting to keep this man behind bars. 
In 2004, the Connacht Tribune reported an urgent plea. Um, Fine Gael's Michael Ring said that, quote, it would be outrageous if they were released from prison. In 2008, Evans was transferred from Arbor Hill Prison to Matter Hospital for a heart bypass, which was successful. But the day following the surgery, he had a stroke and was left in a coma. He was in a catatonic state. And while he was in Matter Hospital, he was under around-the-clock surveillance. Um, he had security there at all times, which cost the state €900,000 annually. He was then transferred from St. Mary's Hospital to Phoenix in... to St. Mary's Hospital in Phoenix Park, Dublin, where he eventually passed away from sepsis on May 20th, 2012, at the age of 68. None of his family members came forward to claim his body, so he was buried by the Irish Prison Service in an unmarked grave. Shaw is now in his mid to late 70s. I believe he would be 76 right now, and he still remains in Harbour Hill Prison. Like I said before, he's repeatedly tried to apply for an appeal, but he has also um, tried numerous times for parole, which was unsuccessful. But then in 2016, the parole board recommended that he be granted two-day supervision release, which was then later on rejected by the Minister for Justice, Francis Fitzgerald. In January of 2020, Shaw took a case before the Court of Appeal. The Minister for Justice, at this point was Charlie Flanagan, had accepted that Shaw would be allowed a two-day release annually under a prison escort, which he has received, I believe, in the year 2023. It was either 2023 or 2022. Um, I'll need to double-check that. But he remains there to this day in Arbor Hill Prison. I just searched it up there. He had his first um, two-day temporary release back in May of 2022. I don't know if he's received any this year. I couldn't see it anywhere. That doesn't mean he didn't, but I'd be very surprised if the news didn't cover him being released again. However, despite these two days out um, annually that he is supposed to be getting, and we know he got in May of 2022, he is still serving his life sentence in Arbor Hill Prison. If anyone has been affected by anything I've talked about in these last two episodes, there is a national helpline for rape for the Rape Crisis Centre in the description. Um, so feel free to contact them if you need. And I hope you guys enjoyed listening to the last two episodes about this, the state's first serial killers um which again like i said originally they don't actually classify as serial killers so i don't know why they're known as the state's first serial killers but um yeah that's what they're known as so that's what i'm going to refer to them as if you liked the episodes and the previous episode that i have uploaded other than these two feel free to rate my podcast i would appreciate it it would help my podcast grow and reach some more people around Ireland and it would just help me overall so I'd appreciate it um if you want to you can check out the 
Ireland Denial podcast, Instagram and TikTok. Okay, everyone, that's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed. If you did, follow the podcast. If you didn't, nice seeing you, I guess. Goodbye. (laughs) There's links to my TikTok account and my Instagram in the description if you want to give those a follow as well. If not, again, that's cool. Goodbye. See you later. Um, And I hope to see you next time. Bye, guys. Mm -hmm.